0: This is Laurie Elster.
1: And this is Anthony Pascal. And this is the all-access Star Trek podcast. This week, we're going to be reviewing the third episode of Season 3 of Picard, 17 Seconds. But we're going to start with some breaking news. And this is actually our second try to kick (laughs) off our podcast. Because we already recorded it with a discussion about the future of Star Trek on TV. And now we actually have some breaking news which is Star Trek Discovery will be officially ending in season five.
0: With season five.
1: With season five. Season season five five. is it.
0: Right. (laughs) Season five is the end. So they had finished filming, but they are, we've seen reports that they are doing some additional filming because they obviously, now that it's a series finale, they're going to need to make some tweaks and incorporate that. But uh, the announcement was made today. They still didn't say when they expect it to premiere. Well, they did,
1: they've moved it to early 2024. So earlier Paramount Plus had confirmed it was going to be a 2023. Wilson Cruz was saying maybe spring, maybe summer. You know, we had that whole discussion about, you know, but now it will be early 2024, which means four seasons of Star Trek this year. We think we still don't have dates for those. The report on Discovery, uh, the, you know, this was an official announcement it was very long with all sorts of quotes from Sinequa, from uh, Alex and Michelle, the showrunners, you know, executives at Paramount. What they don't want this to look like is Star Trek Discovery has been canceled.
0: Which honestly, it hasn't. Like, it's, yes. it's, it doesn't have that feel. Like in this case, you know, we've been talking about this for a while and it's in your article. Like it's there's definitely it's time for a new show. They can't have an infinite number of shows. And so when you look at at what there is, you say Discovery's got five seasons. It had a great run. It started the whole thing going. I mean, all the shows owe a debt to Discovery because without it, we wouldn't have the rest of them. I'm glad they're doing some wrap up stuff because I, you know, I immediately think of the cast and crew and a chance to say goodbye to each other. So it sounds like they are going to get that in some way.
1: They also announced, but there's no details on what this means, a year-long celebrations and appearances at key events in markets around the world. So they're going to make a a thing about this being the final season, you know, with global events, it sounds like, with the cast and the crew. You know, and, and, and five seasons is definitely a lot.
0: That's more than a lot of successful shows get.
1: So earlier this week... I posted an article about looking at the future of Star Trek on TV because I knew something was brewing. I knew there was some kind of announcement coming. This announcement surprised me because I had thought that they were going to announce uh, everything, do another version of January 2022, where they say, "Okay, here's what the next year looks like or next two years looks like, which would have included saying Discovery's wrapping up with season five. Which was my conclusion that that was coming, but that they would also announce a spinoff like the Academy Show at the same time, along with some you know other things. Maybe Strange New World season three, which is happening, but they just haven't told anyone yet. But so so they, but they didn't do that,
0: right? And I'm sure the reason they didn't do it, or one of the big reasons, has to be they're starting to do reshoots and make plans, and it's gonna people are gonna find out and spread the word and so it probably made sense to just let's get on let's get ahead of it and have a nice official statement because it's all about spin like you said it's not a cancellation and they don't want it to feel like
1: one yeah well also it it allows Disco- this announcement for discovery i mean again like these are long quotes they really it's all about discovery so maybe giving them their own announcement is is kind of a way to honor the show but yeah, yeah i i think the trades were starting to sniff around I had been sniffing around, people were hearing about the reshoots. So yeah, there was kind of no way to keep it quiet anymore, I think. And so they, they went out and made the official announcement and I'm, you know, I'm glad they did, but you know, when they shot season five, they shot it, leaving it open, you know, so it's not canceled, but they did make the decision not to, to do any more. And then, and therefore they had to change the season finale.
0: Right. Which I'm glad they're doing, because I hate when shows don't get a proper ending.
1: I don't think it was a cliffhanger, you know, but it just was more open-minded. I think, you know, they'll do something nice for them.
0: No, and they've earned it. They deserve it. So I'm glad they're getting it. I don't know how extensive all that stuff is, but it's needed and deserved.
1: And this is in light of... Paramount has said that they are cutting costs. That this is what they're calling their peak year for investment in streaming is wall street a couple years ago was saying how much money you spending on streaming how many subscribers do you have that's all they cared about now wall street is starting to say okay how much money are you making how much profit are you making right and everyone is canceling shows removing shows from their streaming pulling back on things
0: Canceling shows that have gotten official renewals. I mean, that's the news we're seeing across the industry, right? You're re- saying we've renewed your show doesn't mean anything anymore because a lot of shows get pulled after those announcements.
1: Some shows have been shot and then they decide not to put them on, like HBO did that for one. You know, it's just like it's crazy. This is the new era of belt tightening. Now, to be fair, I think some people saw my article and said, oh, they're going to stop all the Star Trek. It's like, yeah, no, no, (laughs) but they're not. It may not just have five seasons of Star Trek every year going into the future. And now we can see 2023. We won't have five seasons. Right. I suspect we won't have five seasons in 2024. We know we're going to have three in 2024. So we're going to have Discovery season five. They haven't officially announced it, but we're going to get a third season of Strange New Worlds, like 99.9% chance. We're also hearing that there's work going on there. Yeah. And we're going to get the second half of Prodigy Season 2. You know, so we've got at least three seasons of Star Trek in 2024, but there are questions about, is there going to be a fifth season of Lower Decks?
0: I would guess yes.
1: Probably. It's co-financed by Amazon. It's popular. It's not nearly as expensive as a live action show. So I wouldn't rule that out. And then you start talking about, you know, what about a new show? Those are That's kind of the biggest question. And now that the Discovery decision has been made, now the big question is about what are they going to do next for a new show?
0: And so I think at this point, the three biggest options on the table, plus whatever else might be going on, is one, they've talked about a Starfleet Academy show taking place in the Discovery era. Two, there's this idea that's been floating around forever and that actually was developed for a while, which is a Section 31 show with Oscar nominee Michelle Yeoh and multiple award winner Michelle Yeoh and newly mainstreamed star Michelle Yeoh. And then there's also all the talk of some kind of legacy show that is a spinoff from Star Trek Picard.
1: So I think of those, you kind of announce them in the order of likelihood. I think the Academy show is happening, and they will announce something. I'm not sure if it's going to be ready for 2024, but I think a lot of the Discovery people will will move over behind the scenes, shot in Toronto, and probably some of the cast.
0: And definitely they can have visits from the yeah. cast also, even if they're not regular um, regulars on it.
1: The Michelle Yeoh show... I think I don't think that's going to be a series, but I still think it's happening I, like a movie or a miniseries is what I think well, they're going to do.
0: Well, it makes sense. Not I mean, a feature that,
1: film in theaters. No, a
0: TV, something, uh, you know, streaming. But the thing with Michelle Yeoh is she's – She has crossed over. I mean, she was famous before she was on Star Trek. So I don't want to pretend that she wasn't. She was a global star. Now she's also a huge star in America. She's a darling of Hollywood right now. And that is a kind of mainstream appeal that Star Trek has always been after. So it would make sense if they can afford her to do something that she's eager to do, that they know the audience is eager for, and that will get them a big audience.
1: I know like we've joked about the show for years that it's like it's dead but it won't go away but I really think it's going to happen. Something's going to happen with Michelle Yeoh if they could fit it into her schedule and but she really wants to do it. I just think it will be a it won't be an ongoing series. She's not going to commit to you know years because these shows even though they're only 10 episodes they take up your whole life.
0: Right. And stop you from doing other projects at a time that she is hot hot hot. And can do all kinds of, and with the talents that she has, she can play all kinds of roles. So I also think that they will have shifted the show, you know, it was developed years ago. And so many things have changed since then that I don't think they would keep it as they had originally planned it.
1: What I'm not expecting is any announcement anytime soon regarding the dream project of Terry, metalis um of the legacy show on the titan captain seven etc which jonathan frakes kind of in a recent art which is on the site and we'll talk about this later he kind of outlines what it is it's like captain seven first officer ruffy
0: got jack you got LaForge, crash LaForge, you got some bridge officers yeah you had you know i think they're all thinking along the same lines but it's just a bunch of people who really want to do it talking about it and there's and they all say are there official discussions no is it in development no do we all want to do it yes
1: they want fans to do what they did with discovery season 2 which resulted in strange new worlds i think the season's going to have to wrap up terry said the way they end the seasons i think you know episode 10 in april will be setting up this this quote next next generation so hopefully fans you know, because we're loving season three, so if that whole mentality and style um, turn up the lights a little bit, but otherwise, I think we're yeah, good please. for more.
0: <laughs> please turn up <laughs> the lights just a little. Yeah, no, I agree, and it's it seems like a good idea and a good bet, but of course, there's a lot going on, so <laughs> we don't know. But, uh, yeah,
1: but in this case, we don't think there's a. I think that there's actual work going on for the Academy show and the Section Thirty-One show. They've been teasing these things for years. So, whereas this is more a pitch document somewhere, an idea that people are talking about, but no one's writing anything, no one's making sketches, et cetera.
0: Right. And the other idea that they've tossed around a little is Kate Mulgrew has talked about how she'd love to do live action Janeway and Alex Kurtzman indicated that was a possibility, not something they're working on, but again, like it's worth consideration, I think. It was a gentle...
1: (laughs) That a would gentle? be a different. That would be cool. Yeah, it, it would be. I, I imagine it would be a different show. Whatever it is, it wouldn't be another. You know, she's on the bridge of a ship, probably, or if she is. It's a different kind of ship. It's not going to be another Voyager. It's not going to be like how she is in Prodigy. She's Admiral Janeway, doing sciency stuff somewhere.
0: Well, she could be like Jonathan Frakes said that what he wanted to do, and if there's a legacy show, was be like Charlie and Charlie's Angels.
1: I think Kate would want to be more active. I think Frakes is cool sitting behind a desk. I think Kate would want to be out there doing something, but maybe not just on the bridge of a starship is, is what I'm right. thinking. Right. Um, but she wouldn't necessarily want to be the Admiral back at Starfleet HQ telling the youngsters to do things as well.
0: Or, so. or telling people they're not allowed to do things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um. So anyway, so that's the breaking news and our wrap up of our conjecture about the future of star trek tv we think that it's healthy but that you know market forces dictate things and star trek is not immune to that we think that there's just going to be maybe a little bit less than there was in 2022 and we're now seeing that yeah so now we will roll in our original uh podcast uh (laughs) picking up on the some news from pluto so we have some star trek voyager news technically
0: technically (laughs) i mean it's it's about pluto tv which uh everybody can get pretty much right in the states
1: it's yeah well this is limited to the usa even though pluto is available globally there's two star trek channels they keep on adding more stuff now they've added voyager so they've got all the legacy shows except enterprise now Uh, the more interesting thing is they've also added because pluto is just like old-fashioned tv it's just live channels you just watch it you know but they've also added voyager tos and tng to their on demand so just like on paramount plus you could pull up an episode it's not every episode but you could pull up episodes
0: do they have ads
1: yeah everything's got yeah that's the yeah, whole yeah. that's how they pay the bills that's how you know they make their money yeah I hear a lot of people just put Pluto on in the background and just leave it rolling all day long, you know. I'm- well,
0: because they have those themed channels, I think like their game show channels are fantastic. We have a yeah. lot of fun with that. So it's just a nice background thing and for those of us who know our Trek so well, it's it's like hitting shuffle. Like, <laughs> right? Cuz yeah. you don't you don't know what you're going to get.
1: Speaking yeah. of sort of news,
0: you <laughs> know, this is this is <laughs> uh, this is about the next movie and yes, we're going to tell you that they're isn't any news, but it's still kind of interesting because there's a huge profile of Chris Pine and Esquire complete with, I have to say, pretty intriguing photos. <laughs> if you like the way Chris Pine looks and you like fashion, which I don't, but it's still worth it. Love He's, a- he's
1: aging gracefully. He's got the salt yeah. and pepper beard. He looks he's looking great.
0: Good. He's enjoying dressing up. I love it. He just seems like a very interesting guy to me. But... uh But one of the, of course, you can't interview Chris Pine without asking about Star Trek, which they did. And what's interesting is the writer of this article decided to try to get some information out of J.J. Abrams, too. (laughs) You know, like did a separate outreach to try to get some information to go in the article. And this was the quote from J.J., who said, I will say it's the first time any means since the original reboot that we've had a story that feels as compelling as the first one and that's about the script that apparently is still out there
1: well and he you know said that they're um still looking for a director which right you know i guess they've been doing since last august
0: they're not looking hard enough is what i have to say because there are lots of great candidates (laughs) But Chris Pine said, he said he doesn't know anything about the next movie. He says actors are always the last to know, which he finds very frustrating. But acknowledge, he's like, I can't do anything about it. I'm not going to change the way the industry works. He's definitely still interested in doing it, loves the cast, wants to do more. But he the one thing he said, which is always the bone of contention with these movies, I happen to agree with him. Lots of people don't. But he thinks that. The, it's the appealing to the mainstream and trying to get Marvel-level audiences that's part of the problem. And then if you just try to appeal to the Trek fans, then you can make the thing happen. And of course, revenue-wise, that's always the issue, right?
1: There, There is a high, happy medium. I've always said you're not going to make a billion dollars off a Star Trek movie, but you could make $600 million, I think. Yeah, I think even if you took Into Darkness in today's dollars, you could probably... I think that'll get close to 600. So you don't need to shoot for a billion, but you don't need to turn it into a low budget indie either. I mean.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't even think he's suggesting a low budget indie. Well, that's kind of
1: what they were doing with Noah Hawley. I mean, it wasn't an indie, but I think the budget was low, all new actors, you know, it was a smaller thing. And then Paramount decided, no, we want a Kelvin again. So that's all the actors. And so we're back to tentpole. And it's just finding the right balance. It's always about money. And I mean, the thing about Chris Pine, the irony is this project fell apart for the first time under a different script when he said he didn't want to renegotiate his salary. And then apparently he did. But I only hope that when he's saying they should do a smaller movie, he's also willing to take a smaller paycheck. I could only assume that's true. I mean, he's not saying I want to make the same amount, but I want. everyone else
0: to make less (laughs) um i do think that his star was very much on the rise at that back then when that all happened and i think now he's maybe settling into different kinds of roles like he's not young man leading role he's not old yeah but but,
1: you know he's starring in this new dungeons dragons movie for paramount you know he's done a couple of um...
0: movies still you know
1: yeah he's also done so you know he likes to mix it up he's done some smaller indie movies so uh, but he could he can you know he and zoe can ask for big money and um so the cast is isn't cheap which matt chackman who was the director on this project pointed out he's like look you know because someone said why don't you make a small budget movie and he's like well you know you can't not with this cast at least
0: no and it's a sci-fi movie so then that's also a big budget issue
1: okay one little, you know, little lo- bit of Lower Decks news, season three is coming to Blu-ray and DVD in April. A lot of um, commentary tracks in this one, so that looks good.
0: Yeah, they got Nana and Armin to talk about the Deep Space Nine episode with the cast and Mike McMahon. There's a bunch of good stuff on there.
1: There's a, a curious thing in our report on this, which is this is going to be on what they call Blu-ray on demand or manufactured on demand. What that means is, they're not going to be making boxes and sending them out to Best Buy and Walmart. You can only buy the Blu-rays online, and we don't have those links yet. Okay, so let's do some Picard roundup stuff.
0: Uh, yeah, Ed Spilliers was making the rounds after the last episode aired, so after 302 aired. and t- Well, he talked a lot about his character. To st- he, said, he said Terry Metalis kept mentioning Kirk and Han Solo to him. As ways to help define Jack. And he was like, dude, that is way too much pressure. Yeah, that's, I mean,
1: (laughs) I I get what Terry is, you know, Terry's saying he wants to make him this great iconic character, but that is is way too much pressure to put on someone.
0: Yeah, Kirk and Han Solo, yeah.
1: (laughs) Especially because they are such really different characters. I mean, they they have some, you know, consistent elements, but definitely.
0: But they're both very meaningful to a lot of people. (laughs) so that's a lot um he also said he said jack is a very complex character and he sort of described him as anti-starfleet and doing a sort of robin hood thing with his mom which they've made pretty clear
1: so he said in the interview that jack is 24 but noted that yes he is 34. He's got two kids. But I yeah, I don't think, I'm not sure if they had really addressed this in the show or not.
0: He thinks people will kind of like just move, just accept it and move on. Look, that is a common, if anyone's watched Riverdale. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and going all the way back to when I was a kid and it was Welcome Back, Cotter, and all those guys were like 27, 28, and they're supposed to be in high school. So this is like a Hollywood TV thing yeah for sure
1: i mean he's a good actor and they wanted to use him the problem is i don't think even think it's based on this episode which we'll get into the timeline that beverly lays out he's really only 20 yeah if she had him after nemesis right but whatever
0: Yep. um and one fun thing he did an interview on the ready room last week and it was like there he was with his space brother will wheaton and they had a nice it was a fun interview and they just i loved the idea that these two were bonding over being space bros it was very cute they have the same space mom
1: and like everyone he is very much interested in doing a spin-off um and wants fans to call for more jack so i think you know this season is going to build this character up maybe he will be as exciting as as han solo and James D. Kirk by the end of the season
0: <laughs> no, uh, <we'll>, pressure,
1: <laughs> <dude>. no pressure No <laughs> pressure. yeah so we'll see where that goes we talked a little bit about the Frakes article Stuart I find this fascinating because I just thought he was going to be three and done and he's still talking about how you know there's still stuff left for Picard to do
0: yes he said it might be nice <laughs> to see him one more time to wrap it all up after season three so I I mean how could he not want to do more I'm sure he had a blast Plus, I would say I think his acting this season, which we'll talk about when we get into the episode, is is fantastic. So he's he's really back in a groove, I think. Here's the part I thought was strange in that roundup or that interview was that he said that he had to be talked into this storyline that's unfolding in season three because he'd been uneasy at the idea of a sentimental family story. And I'm like, then what was last season?
1: Well, maybe he was uneasy about that, too.
0: Well, I was uneasy about it. (laughs) Um.
1: (laughs) Maybe he's like, not, and let's not get any more sentimental. I don't want to go meet my father again in a dream sequence. It's
0: interesting to speculate on whether that's a reaction to that, because that would make sense. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, I found that sort of interesting.
1: Speaking of interviews, I had a chance to speak to Michael Dorn. You wanted me to ask him about the opening the violence thing and mm-hmm. which I did it. You know, he loved it. He he kind of talked about how Worf is, you know, this is all part of him trying to seek his balance. Um, and he, he said it was, it was
0: one of the best entrances he's ever seen. <laughs> which I, you know, it was certainly dramatic and big.
1: But this balance between the pacifism of Worf and the violence he says really isn't the arc it's more about a journey that he's on with rafi and learning from each other which i thought was interesting yeah he, he had a good time working with her the i mean we see a little bit of this in this episode he said the thing he wanted to inject into the character is this idea that Worf has i forget what the words he is but you know he, he went to the klingon monastery and he's kind of found inner peace and i think we saw a little bit of that in episode three right
0: yeah he said he's progressed to the next level of his training so and he does say it in the episode that he's you know he's working on himself (laughs) which is great to hear he's Um, got a therapist (laughs) right he's doing some meditation and some you know
1: another thing i mean i'm enjoying the humor with wharf this was fascinating to me so i thought the humor had changed a little bit um with Worf in like the line that was very funny where he said beheadings are on wednesdays that was
0: one of the best lines of the episode
1: (laughs) so i i said is it now more where Worf is in on the joke and he's like no Worf was serious about beheadings on wednesday he said it's important to him that Worf is a straight man that he doesn't get the joke that he's you know he says it's not funny if he's in on it that's an interesting perspective
0: yeah I would agree. Um, Also, of course, you asked him what he would think about a spinoff, because everybody's got to get asked that all the time. And he said it would depend on the story. And he said he doesn't need to be the star, which he used, you know, back in the day, he was running around pitching a a Captain Wharf show. Yeah. Um, But he said he doesn't need to be the star. He needs a good reason to be involved. And he said that to move forward from where they are now, he can't go back to that idea that idea has to be done because things have already changed and so it would have to progress from where we are now
1: but i mean everyone else i've talked to is like immediate yes you know when i asked stewart he's like yes you know gates totally you know so i i mean i haven't talked to lavar about it so i don't know what he has said about this i know spiner has said he's he wants to do more so uh, Dorn is Which the that's
0: the... interesting because we don't know where he's gonna net out or even
1: where what he really is he's assuming there's you know plenty of soons left on the tree um (laughs) but the um you know the dorn is the most cautious about this i find interesting of everyone i've i've either talked to or heard someone else talk to he's the only one kind of saying yeah but let me think about it which is kind of more his way but then he also says he thinks that there's more to the character so there is an interest there for sure
0: oh yeah I think so. So there's a very fun article on the site right now that's basically rounding up a lot of the fan theories. It was written by Joe. Fan theories that are making all the connections in, to who the villain of Star Trek Picard might be. I mean, we know it's Vatic, but we're trying to figure out what's behind all that and what her plan is. And so not only is there a great collection of ideas in the article itself about who all these suspects could be, Um, The comments are also full of great, from great ideas to hilariously bad ideas. Sometimes people (laughs) know they're bad ideas. Sometimes they don't. All kinds of wacky theories. And I I just think it's so worth a a read. Like, yes, fans are talking about the the parasites from conspiracy. And obviously they're talking about changelings. And maybe people are double Asian. So maybe the Cardassians are involved. But then you get into the comments and you've got people saying it's Armis, <laughs> which <laughs> I love, or, you know, <laughs> or it's it's the people from Cat Spa. That was one of my. Well, so, I mean, like
1: at least some of them at least have like a semblance of evidence that the clicking sound has people yes. thinking about the Zindi or the aliens from schisms. There was this Instagram thing that Dave blasted that mentioned the Ilaki, which are the Shroomy people from Enterprise, which you may not I'm sure you don't even remember. I don't
0: even remember those people, but, but they
1: they became kind of a big thing in Star Trek online. Um so there is I mean, at least there's a a, a semblance of uh stuff. But they're like but the it was green
0: a, because of the big masks, like <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, but it's it's fun. I mean, well we now know, at least Yes. It, the, the answer is ding ding ding, changelings. links. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Side-Eye Guy, he got his first lines. He has a name. So his name is Ensign Foster. I mean, I, I'm sure there was a real Ensign Foster, who's now probably dead.
0: Hanging out with Ascensia, the real Ascensia somewhere. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we prefer to call him Side-Eye Guy.
0: I'll always th- have a special place in my heart for Side-Eye Guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so should we switch to a review of episode 303?
1: Yes, please. There's so much going on in this episode. I really like it. It's so intense, this episode. I love it because this is the thing that we've been hearing about for a long time, which is the kind of submarine movie that Terry said he wanted to create. And and uh, I think he pulled it off, you know. And this is the, the Crimson Tide episode, essentially. The only thing is that the second half of their Crimson Tide movie is going to be next week even though i feel like it's a satisfying episode
0: it's interesting with the serialization because it really each episode so far is picking up exactly where the last one left off yeah no time is passing it's like 24 sort of yeah um except it's not happening in real time i thought i mean my overall my birds eye view is i thought it was a great episode beautiful directing and writing so many terrific individual scenes some that I loved more than others. I actually wish that they had not told us about the pe- confrontation between Riker and Picard, the whole Crimson Tide thing. Like I, because I knew it was coming, it didn't have the same impact. I think it would have had, had it been a surprise.
1: Yeah. Cause I mean, it's, it is just shocking to see them.
0: At such odds. And Although that wasn't actually my favorite scene, and I'm suspecting that the reason it wasn't my number one scene was because I've heard too much about it, which is just, you know, it's it's why some people stay off social. It's why some people don't watch episode trailers or want to read about stuff before it happens. And lots of the show hasn't been spoiled for me that way, but I would say this one would have, the impact would have been so much more.
1: You know, strangely, I this is the first episode where, the best scene, I think, is actually in the the other storyline. I mean, the, the good cop, bad cop stuff with Rafi and Worf was just great. I loved that. I
0: loved all of that stuff. And his dialogue is fantastic. And the when they forge a partnership, it's great. You see them coming together. I, f- I feel like I still want to see... He sees something in her, obviously. But I yeah. feel like he's constantly sort of like rescuing and correcting her. But... That's okay, because he is, the you know, the legend, and she's sort of catching up, but I love their connection. I also, we're going to have to spend some serious time talking about that scene between Crusher and Picard when they have well, that. Yeah,
1: because that is kind of the other big thing happening in this episode, is explaining the Jack thing, and it, I mean, it's a beautifully acted, there's kind of two levels of this scene. One is just watching it on a human level, and watching these actors and great performances and
0: oh my god really really big standout performances from both and here's what i want to say about that scene before we even get into the content because that could be like a whole podcast all by itself (laughs) um the way it was filmed the way they the acting the writing and the way it was filmed was fantastic and the fact that they start out the scene where they're in silence like they get left alone they're sitting very far apart there's all these bio beds like between these beds between them and they just look at each other and he waits for her to start but it takes they let it breathe and it took a minute and then she starts with two months before i left the enterprise and they start to talk about what happened and over the course of the scene They physically move closer and closer together. And then by the end, which now gets intercut with other stuff happening, when they finally are both talking about why are these people after Jack, at that point, they're like right next to each other because now we're showing, okay now they're sharing a point of view. So I thought everything about it was glorious, except that I agreed with everything he said. And I was mad at her. I was mad at her. And I thought I understood her point of view, which I thought was good. Like I understood. Yeah. Being terrified makes total sense. Her concerns were legit. But not only did I think it was the wrong decision, I felt like it was the wrong decision for her character. And I kind of want to hear her say, "Yeah, I I made the wrong decision.
1: Well, she says that when he was old enough, we don't know when this was. When Jack was old enough, she told him everything.
0: But then she and, still didn't tell Jean-Luc. Like, if that, that would have been...
1: Well, she left it up to Jack to tell him, essentially. Right. And Jack chose not to. And I could respect that as well. The question is how, you know, but for 10 years, 12 years, 17 years, you know, she was still holding out.
0: And not only that, she had to cut herself off from all of her closest friends, too. Because she didn't talk to any of them, so also Troy didn't do anything, and now she's not talking to her, like Jordy didn't do it like all of those people. she cut them all off her
1: point was it's too dangerous being around you, your target, therefore, your son would be a target he, His argument was, maybe I would have just chose a different life, and you never gave me that choice. so the question is, would he have do you think Two years after Nemesis, Romulan refugee crisis is heating up. Would he have just quit Starfleet?
0: I think he could have, and I think he's he was right when he said, "You made the choice for me. You don't get to condemn people before the fact." And I was like, "That is true. Like it doesn't matter if he would have or not, because he said I could have. I would have been a husband, maybe, which is of course one of the alternate futures we saw in All Good Things, but." And that actually didn't work out because they got divorced. But (laughs) (laughs) but he didn't he didn't get the opportunity to make that decision. And he's I think he would have been open to it.
1: I think you're right. People are going to have a problem with this. I think so much so that people are going to start filling the void with other things. And that maybe she's not telling him the whole, still not telling them the whole truth. There are theories out there that Jack isn't really picard's son or there's or maybe he's an augment um which would be a good reason to keep him away from starfleet you know or there's some other weird thing about jack and we started getting a sense in this episode that there is something going on with jack beyond there's something there's some weirdness going on
0: was it the gas was it something that was going on with him it's got to be
1: more than that because we've seen i mean the thing is it, it immediately reminded me well, it reminded me a lot of 12 Monkeys and the aesthetic of 12 Monkeys where there were visions like that. But remember when Picard through all of season two was having the vision with the door and he kept on, you know, the kid running through the. Yeah. See, you're, you, you blocked it out. But there were these kind of it reminded me of that kind of stuff. So, right. I think. Oh, no, I getting... don't.
0: I don't think it was. I was just I don't actually think that it was. Just I think important. it's important. Whatever yeah. it was. Agreed. Agreed.
1: I couldn't work it out, but whatever the fake seven was saying, there's something going on there, but we don't know what it is. There's like a red door and, you know, there's weird vines. Whatever this is, this must be why they want Jack. Right, right. He's got, you know, some genetic, you know, someone encoded his brain with, you know, the code that unlocks something, you know, that, you know, will help them attack Starfleet who knows what it is i'm just the only guessing.
0: thing i could make out that she said or that a voice said was connect the branches as those weird red branchy vine things were behind it. yeah
1: i think those are more metaphors you know it's yeah. probably branches of a computer program or something like that
0: or branches it's, of his family no oh
1: I that's a, there's there you could
0: go. mean yeah i didn't think it was an actual tree
1: but she i mean because when the joke about his because they did explain the accent because people yes. have been joking about the accent and she did say it's in his DNA. So she, which implies well, she it is... joked
0: that it's in his
1: DNA. Well, but she's a doctor. So it means that I, I think he is genuinely Picard's son, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's, if Bev did a little, you know, little, did, did something else to him. Why not?
0: Like gave him some superpowers to help protect him. Yeah, exactly. What I really wanted was for her was for Crusher. There wasn't time in this episode because there was so much going on. Although there was one thing I think they didn't need at all, which we're going to, I think, fight about. Um, But I wanted a scene with Crusher and Riker. Because she owes everybody some kind of explanation for cutting them off as well. And I would have liked to have seen those two also have a conversation. I hope it's coming.
1: Your question is, do they do that? Because she'll have to explain it to Riker and then to Deanna and then to Jordy.
0: You can. It, you, know, you don't have to cut into the conversation at the beginning. You cut in with him going, and that's why you did. And then they have a conversation. <laughs> like there's a way to avoid having her tell the story again.
1: Riker is fascinating in this episode because he has these two roles. On one hand, he's sort of playing this best friend buddy because he's giving great advice to Jack.
0: I loved his advice to Jack. It was perfect. His tone was perfect. I love that he was talk about staging. We go from this scene of Picard and Crusher slowly moving towards each other. We've got Riker standing still with a big grin while Jack paces. I loved it. I thought that was great.
1: Yet at the same time, this is the big Riker as captain episode. I thought he
0: he wasn't very good. He made some big mistakes.
1: Well, Picard was wrong. I mean, the the argument, so let's get to this. So, the, so their fundamental argument was Picard wants to go Kirk. He's like, we're in a nebula. Let's use it against him, her. She's blind as we are. Let's sneak up behind her. I was waiting for someone to say she has two-dimensional thinking. But, you know, whereas Riker's like, no, let's hide and run because this isn't the Enterprise. And... Uh, she's got like 7 billion weapons, plus this crazy portal thing, which we haven't talked about.
0: Which was um, so cool, by the way. <laughs> very
1: cool. And just like, it's kind of a game changer. Kind of like, oh, well, now you can't even shoot at someone, you know? So
0: Yeah. No, I thought it's, <laughs> the t- this last week throwing the ship, and then this week with the portal. So great to make these kinds of confrontations new and interesting. I mean, what a fantastic thing.
1: So Riker was right. You know, the best move is to get away from that ship.
0: They're right. outmatched.
1: They're totally outmatched.
0: Right. So Riker's right, but A, he kind of succumbs at the end and just goes, all right, and kind of gives up. Well, they, then, but they have no,
1: at that point, they were kind of, they had no other it, choice.
0: Well, it was still the wrong choice, as was proven by what happened.
1: Yeah, because he thought so, at least they could use, because the whole thing was using the sabotage thing against them so that they would at least get behind the uh, the shrike and things fell apart when that was when that was kind of the crux is if they showed up behind the shrike they probably could have got away with it but they the shrike had somehow figured out where they were and was looking right at them Correct. and could use the weapon
0: not only did he then after arguing so firmly against doing it changes his mind and it's the wrong choice And then he says, as he's getting rid of Picard, you just killed us all. And then
1: he was pissed. And
0: then and the whole crew is sitting like that is not the thing that a captain says in front of his crew. That's what I thought was the biggest mistake.
1: Yeah, no, that was um, overly emotional for him.
0: And was a hell of a last line of the episode.
1: But I did (laughs) like how they built up through a series of scenes and it started where well, they started with these two guys, you know, playing together, you know, great, you know, where Picard was, under, you know, kind of finishing his sentences. He knew exactly the move that Riker wanted to do. with. The oh, Dupita. I
0: loved. That was fantastic. I loved it.
1: But then slowly but surely, Picard was like, oh, maybe we should do this thing. And his Riker's like, oh, maybe not. And then, you know, so it did have a nice buildup. It didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. The argument.
0: No, the argument made great sense came out of who they are and what was going on for them and was the right discussion to have. And the confrontation was intense and something that we've never seen before between those two characters.
1: Yeah. We should have seen, I guess, cause that it's just, there's no time, but there really wasn't enough of the bridge crew. W- what I was expecting during that whole thing, but there was kind of a reason they didn't do this is The first thing Riker should have done is put seven, got seven back on the bridge. Yeah. because Seven knows the ship and Riker just showed up and Picard's old. He doesn't, he doesn't know the ship. Um, And none of these ensigns or lieutenants is going to tell them, you know, well, sir, really, you know, the aft thrusters work this way. Right. They needed someone on the bridge like seven, but then, yeah, there was a reason for that, which was Seven had her own little adventure with Jack and that nice scene with Sydney. Did I mention my father, LaForge?
0: I loved that scene. I I really enjoyed Seven saying, that sounds rehearsed. Yeah. And then they get into a real conversation and I love that she called her Commander Seven at the end. But I thought that was a terrific scene. Another
1: example of Sydney becoming a character. I'm just hoping... To get a good scene with her where she doesn't mention her dad.
0: Right. But part of the point that she has made and that is obvious about her is that he overshadows her all the time to the point that, I mean, when she sees Riker and Picard for the first time in that first episode, she's just grinning. And then, of course, Riker does the whole Crash LaForge thing. But it is right. a big part of who she is. And she talks about that's how people in Starfleet view her as his daughter. And then she says, well, here's the thing we do have in common. We have trouble making friends, but we know the value of the friends that we have. It was very organic and it all made sense. And it's part of her story. And look, when you have a very famous parent and you, you know, like those, the big uh, Nepo baby article that came out, but you know, that's what people talk about.
1: So speaking of parenting, let's talk about the scene I know you didn't like that I'm okay with. Which is the flashback.
0: The scene that gave the episode its title, I think, was completely 100% unnecessary. How about that? Bold statement.
1: When Picard is in the turbo lift and he has his own moment where he becomes a father, when he is afraid of Jack dying. I mean, I... You didn't mean it, it, it. So let me ask you this. Is is it just the kind of uncanny valley CGI that is just no. not working?
0: I didn't like that. And it was very distracting. Like it took me right out of the scene. But the moment of Picard in the turbo lift, his face said it all. It was everything. I felt it was a hat on a hat, but before you put the hat on. So I thought it was a setup we didn't need. Every single thing that it sort of fed into stood on its own completely 100% effectively. Without it. Plus, seeing Tro- that being Troy Talk about Worf's entrance versus Troy's, That was a, a yeah, big disservice was... to the character. I mean, almost redeemed when she said bring the whiskey. That was good. But I thought, like, she's... So she just had a baby. He leaves. Why doesn't she go with him and with take the baby and go see Picard? No, he goes by himself. Nobody on the ship is helping her with the baby so that she has three days where she can't wash her hair. Like it, it
1: it it does make her into just a nag and
0: yeah. But he's saying, well, what a great, how great it is to be a dad." Well, sure it is if you can leave and go have a drink whenever you want to. <laughs> well, like- let,
1: you know, he's not the first guy to go have a drink with his buddies while his wife is with the baby. But yeah, I mean, maybe they could have given their reason, like there was some Starfleet event where they both had to go to it, as opposed to he just left. The timeline's a little weird but this is probably two years after nemesis picard may or may not still be in charge of the enterprise this is perhaps before the refugee crisis it's kind of they didn't even give it a, a year i think because i think they know that they're they're being squirrely about the years um on this show yeah i the thing i didn't like with that was the troy thing and i i just look forward to her actually having something to do on the
0: i show. know i want her to do something cool so i i would have cut it
1: Let's talk about the big plot stuff. I like how they did eventually the story started coming together. Even though we haven't seen a complete connection between the two stories, it's now, you know, they started jumping back and forth uh, between them at the end really nicely. Three episodes in, and we've got an answer. We know who the Big Bad is. Or, yeah. You know, well, we maybe, don't know. This wh- is step one of the Big Bad.
0: Right. We know the who, we don't know the why. Well, the why we don't know the why it's back we don't know why they want jack we don't know why vatic has we, we don't really know what her motivation is
1: well wharf laid out that they're you know that they're not part of the great link in fact he he didn't use odo's name but he might as well yes. have said yeah you know a good good friend of mine man of honor um i thought that was sweet
0: in the link my friend in the link
1: My buddy gave me a call from the link phone.
0: I know. I was wondering how that was communicated. Like, is
1: there like at like the link and then like there's just a little payphone on the edge of the link and you kind of come out of the link, pick up the phone?
0: A jar of quarters next (laughs) to it. Right. And then you
1: ooze (laughs) back in. (laughs) So, the, but anyway, uh, I thought that was great. And this was a tricky scene in that imagine you didn't watch Deep Space Nine. I mean, they essentially had to explain all of Deep Space Nine in 35 seconds. Which they know. did
0: very well. Yeah,
1: I thought they yeah. did. Yeah. Because I mean, people kind of get what a changeling is. It's like a morphing creature that could change. You know, you don't need to explain that. But, you know, th- their background with why they hate Starfleet and how there was a war, I think I think they did a pretty good job of, of uh, doing that because it was done a lot of that in voiceover as there was action happening with Side Eye Guy planting the bombs you know, there was a nice touch by the way so side eye guy was at the aft station because the aft sensors was out so they had to look out a window i thought that was right he was cute. standing
0: there looking at the window with, where people lined up at the different windows which i like but
1: but the second time they cut back he wasn't there i know and that was when he was sabotaging the gas yep i think um i think yeah um and then he fought jack and his face started contorting Like, so were you like, oh my God, it's Changelings? Like, were you blown away?
0: Well, we had talked about, before the even, you know, we talked about Changelings a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. When we did
1: episode one. So you, so it was almost like, I mean, the big surprise is they didn't drag it out. This is the kind of thing that Discovery would have, would have spent seven episodes getting to, you know, so we've got seven more episodes. So I suspect that it's more than just the Changelings. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's what I'm saying. There's something else going on, but we're starting to get pieces that we can start to put together. They talked about a bigger theft at Daystrom and how the portal weapon theft, which is a pretty big deal, was actually a distraction from something else, which is interesting.
1: Did they steal lore?
0: Right. Let's put the pieces together of the different things that we know. What's
1: in Daystrom that's worth stealing? B4, right? The pieces of B4 that were in that drawer and uh, apparently lore is in there too. Yep. So Moriarty is probably in there too, right? Yep. Maybe they've got all those guys. <laughs> and they need Jack to unlock the AI something. I don't know. Now I'm just riffing. But uh, it's, you know, so uh, the, the there was a lot of plot. Because there wasn't a lot of plot in the last episode. There was some great drama. Not a lot of plot movement. This episode somehow Squeezed a ton of it in there. I really like the interrogation scene.
0: Yeah, and it was just the pacing of it was really good. It it didn't go on too long. It had just a, you know she thinks she's she even though she was treating him as if he was in withdrawal. Even when she started, she was like, "Why are you sweating so much? Like, she <laughs> yeah. knew something was up." So she is. I think part of the Rafi I by the way, I love that he calls her Raffaella. I think that's yes, a nice that's- touch. Um, And I think that he can tell she has really good instincts, but she's impulsive and he's going to, tr- I think over time, try to teach her yeah, to be more thoughtful before she jumps into things, which she's always been like, you know, she's always been impulsive, but she also has always been able to see connections other people can't see.
1: But I thought, I mean, just that like him, like, you know, calling them solids, there was just something as the yeah. DS9 fan and me are like, that's, you know, because this is the contempt he had for the solids. Humans, Klingons, you're all the same. You're all solids. I it's hate you perfect.
0: all. I've been watching a ton of Deep Space Nine lately, so it fit in very nicely.
1: I was wondering, like, was he lying when he said, that's all I know? Because off before we did this podcast, you brought up why did Side-Eye Guy try to kill Jack if they want Jack alive? Because Worf described them as a terrorist organization, this kind of splinter group of changelings. Maybe they are like cells where they don't know everything like maybe he was telling the truth he didn't really know the full story
0: i felt like that was true and he it's interesting that he also described i think that people who stole something the people who did the killing he said were like-minded souls enemies of the federation so oh
1: so you don't think they because i thought he was just talking about more changelings maybe I, he's just i
0: think it could be a combination of something changelings and some that have teamed up with somebody
1: my mind is on some Cardassians showing up because the Cardassians gotta be pissed about the Dominion War too, right? I mean it because if you think about it, the Great Link was fine afterwards, right? Yep. They're they're fine. You know, Cardassi was wiped out, like you know, millions killed. So yeah, there's some pissed off Cardassians.
0: And Cardassians are great villains.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. They're yeah. space Nazis, they're they're yeah. perfect space Nazis.
0: And fascinating and yeah. layered, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that maybe there are they have allies. Is what you're saying. Yeah, I like that idea.
0: Okay. But I do think he told them what he knew.
1: And so the, I think the answer to the question of why did the saboteur try to kill Jack? Maybe he doesn't know that they want Jack alive. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that could because he does seem to be working with her because he's sabotaging them at, during the fight. So I don't know.
1: We never saw him talking to Vatic, which was interesting. You know, we just, you know, but we know that he was helping right. for sure. You know, Amanda Plummer took it down like 50 notches in this episode. She was interesting. Like she was kind of just casual. Like at the beginning when they were firing and she was doing what she said she was going to do. She was going to peck at them and prod them. She, you know, there were times she could have destroyed the ship and she didn't.
0: Oh, no, she was totally. I mean, Picard said it at the beginning. He said she'll peck away until we surrender, but which is exactly what she was doing. And she was and I wrote in my notes, she's calm now and low voiced like she's not cackling so much.
1: Yeah, she wasn't doing the General Chang, you know, Star Trek six, let the dogs, you know, I mean, it just, you know, she got it out of her system. I'm sure we'll get some of that again later. But yeah, that that was fun. And now she's just a cold calculating villain with unclear motivation but that's fine i thought she was good in this episode
0: yeah so did i i still want to know what the hell she's about and then she will become right now she's interesting to me because we're getting an interesting performance but i would like her to be interesting to me because i understand what she's about
1: well we've yet to get any scene with her doing except through the view screen i mean there's little moments with her chittering with her crew but you know Chittering. what what we don't have <laughs> is because usually the villains have a henchman right shinzon <laughs> had the viceroy khan had
0: joaquin. joaquin
1: and these people are good for you know because you have dialogue with your right
0: you get your exposition which is hard with clicky guys
1: right she doesn't have anyone to talk to but i mean but maybe maybe she does maybe there's someone we haven't met yet on that ship or something like that Because that that'll that's when you're gonna get to learn more about her, is when we could see her having a conversation with someone, you know. Someone, yes. Anyone, you know, not an enemy, you know, one of her
0: pals. So we you know who we haven't talked about yet is Captain Shaw. And here's the thing this was the episode where we started to see the side of him that's a good captain. Because we saw one he relieved members of his crew. He was very aware of his crew. And he's like, Laforge and other person whose name I forget. You guys need to take, you need a rest. You've been working too long. When he was injured, which I thought was well done, we, the blood is just falling out of his mouth. It's crazy.
1: Well, and did you he, notice the bone in his leg was popping out? It's
0: even, <laughs> even when he's in sickbay, he's thinking how, and he said it at the very beginning too. He's like, how are they tracking us? He knows what's important. Yeah, And he's smart. And so he says, and that's when he says it to Jack and Jack gets a nice visual image right in front of him while he says it, which worked out really nicely that made him think, oh, we're being tracked. And how are we being tracked? But that was some like that's Okay. Now we know more about him that goes beyond. He's a jerk.
1: Yeah. But he still had some fun lines. Oh, my before God. He yeah. got...
0: great. He had some great lines. Another one of my favorites, I think. Oh, he said, that's fun. Anyone else want to throw more weird shit at me?
1: <laughs> Which is literally true. Since <laughs> Someone threw a ship at him.
0: Yes, yes. So I thought that was great. And then in that scene, here's the funny thing. Like, so Be- Bev wants to help. Well, earlier she wants to help in sick bay, And the CMO says, basically tries, tries to relics her. Yeah. Like they did to Scotty. And it's like, I don't have time to explain 20 years of whatever. And I'm like, it's a doctor. It's not engineering. This is a yeah. doctor. There are some basic things. And so I loved when she came in and she's like, yeah, your instruments are great. Anyway, here's what's going on with him and saves his life. I thought that was really nice. And I also liked that we got to see Jack's bedside manner as a medical professional, right. also. So well, Jack has those-
1: described himself as a doctor, you know, I, I guess trained by his mother, but.
0: Which is weird, but because you really need full—I would think—full med school. But he was, <laughs> but his his manner was great. Like you could see, you could get. I again, it made me think that that flashback from the last episode, we didn't need that one either. Like we're yeah. getting all the stuff right in these scenes, and we learned a lot about him from for just from the moment when she, when he starts to react to the guy who's like, "This is all your fault," and then she says, "No, they're going to need us." Like you're getting all of their medical vibe from what's well and also
1: he's starting to connect with the crew Mm -hmm. because at first he's like these people don't like me you know and reicher's like we'll do something about it
0: right he actually says something about (laughs) accusatory like he has that british pronunciation right
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know so we'll see if the crew starts liking because he did find the saboteur and he did literally die for it
0: and he knew to go to seven, which I liked. That was smart. And I liked that. I would have liked it better if he hadn't just punched the guy out at the door. It's his second time punching punching someone in the crew. And I just thought that it could have been. I They just wanted it done. Like, I get that they needed speed. They didn't want to spend, do a whole scene on it. But I just, there could have, she could have come up with. I would have liked to have seen her do something. Stun him. Yeah,
1: somehow he knows the Vulcan nerve pinch. Which yeah, or something.
0: Some kind of Borg trick or something. (laughs) But again, see how much stuff is in this episode? Like this is packed and beautifully so. Like a mil. There were so many. I'm looking forward to your Easter eggs section because they're so. I mean, I found a bunch, which means. You're going to find even more.
1: I'm not sure. I mean, you know, there were a lot of name drops in this episode of planets and locations like, you know, the, you know, I think one you noticed was the. um,
0: Casperia Prime. Yeah. Was a big one. I thought there was definitely like Worf's line about the tea is definitely a reference to good to you, nice house. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Which I really like the music that Worf is playing when he's doing his sword tai chi things is the music picard was listening to in first contact when he decided to violate orders so there's a lot of a lot of, like seven has a little model of voyager i was like you know what i would have a model of every ship i served on for sure i'm into the models thing i think it's working i mean and there are a few more but
1: Worf had a tng movie era facer and he had um, his he has his new sword but he also still has his Doktar knife uh, you know his whole um, spiel was very Khaleesi like you know he's added on a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that Sergei get you know because Sergei really raised him so he is house of Vershenko.
0: I thought that was sweet No, except I kind of wanted him to mention you know me I'm like and the mom gets nothing
1: no That's mention true. of
0: the mom, so I was a little yeah. unhappy about that. No
1: mention of the son, because Worf is the worst father in the world.
0: Yeah, we'll- of course. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't say father of Alexander. <laughs> They're all parents now, by the way. It's so funny.
1: Yeah, but we'll see if if Worf and Picard have any discussions about being distant fathers.
0: Yeah, I mean, Picard couldn't be a worse father than Worf. <laughs> Oh, let's talk about the nebula for a second because they keep mentioning this biological signature. Oh
1: yeah, it's obviously not a nebula.
0: (laughs) It's not a nebula. It's a it's a creature of some kind. Yeah, it's it's some. They are.
1: Yeah, they're in some kind of. Well, it might be. Is the whole nebula a creature, or is there a creature like somewhere inside, deep down, where they're headed?
0: And I don't know. I don't know. Is it going to swallow them because they're falling into the gravity well right now? Is it going to help them? I don't know what it's going to do. But they keep saying it's biological. They're not just throwing that stuff out just for fun.
1: Nebula stuff has been used to create a sub-movie and they were better at it because sub-movies have their own kind of business about the depth and and there's certain depths you can't you know you're going to cru- so essentially this was them going to crushing depth which is why the shrike didn't follow them down because where they're going they'll never be able to get out of essentially because the gravity is going to be so bad which is essentially like submarines go so deep that the pressure's too much that the sh- you know that they implode so i thought that was as a fan of sub movies i appreciated the parallels there Although we're assuming when they get down there, it'll actually be kind of nice.
0: Yeah, we're hoping something good will happen <laughs> when they end up there.
1: Yeah, that the whole gravity well is just a, a fake out. That you know they'll they'll be having uh, tea. Um, yes, with you know, with the nice space creature
0: with Picard's uh, elderly relative with like that <laughs> Time One Next Generation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, like last week, you felt like it was a bridge episode. To me, this felt like a really good part one of a two-parter.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Because it ended on a... I mean, every episode has ended on a cliffhanger of sorts, but this was truly a cliff. Like, this was a cliffy cliffhanger.
1: Because the battle's not over. I suspect the next episode will finish our business with the Nebula. We've been there for four episodes. It's
0: time to go somewhere else and do something. Yeah. And we got to start... We got to get to Daystrom. We got to start tying things together. We got to start bringing in the rest of our... TNG people. So now's the time. And also in this episode, I was so happy to hear it. Remember last week I said they never apologized to Shaw. And then this week Picard goes, I have to go apologize to the captain. Like, hell yeah. He's, we didn't see the apology, but we saw him say that he had to do it.
1: So this season, it's great. You know, it is what they said it was going to be and more. And uh, we've got our little, you know, issues with this or that, but I'm loving every minute of it. I, you know, when you watch an episode, you can't wait to see the next one.
0: Yeah. Like, I love that I'm always anticipating the next one and I'm excited. And that while I'm enjoying the big story, I'm also enjoying each scene because I think they're really carefully put together so that they're all very, very compelling. Every conversation that people are having is very smart and thorough. And you don't have these moments of saying, I wish they'd said that, like, they're saying all the things they need to say. The music is fantastic and i only wish it wasn't so dark (laughs) i'm still hung up on the darkness because even when i do when i look at screenshots or photos they're dark and i can't see them and they put all this effort into these beautiful sets and all this stuff and i sometimes can't see it i mean i don't have a new tv i have a giant tv but it's not new it's old
1: i think if you have the best fanciest new tv it does look better so if you spent less than a thousand dollars on your tv you're not getting the full effect but you you know i still think watch the show with the lights off (laughs) don't crank up the brightness if you do crank up the contrast as well you know but uh just turn the lights off when you're watching it on your tv and that helps a lot i think don't watch it during the day, I guess. Don't watch it on but, your phone, for God's sake. Oh yeah,
0: don't watch it on your phone. But its it is, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful and the writing is great and the acting is, I feel like everybody's at their peak. Everybody's doing such intense, compelling scenes. So I'm still really enjoying it even when I'm pissed off about a scene that I think they didn't need.
1: <laughs> All right. So that's it for this episode. Let's talk about... Our bits of the week before we wrap up. Mine is sports related. There's unusual, kind of. Sure. So James Worthy was uh you know, when I was a youngster, I remember James Worthy was part of the 80s LA Lakers when I grew up in LA. They won multiple championships. He was a big deal. And he was in Star Trek The Next Generation. He played a Klingon.
0: Gambit. That was the episode. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we did our little birthday. They, you know, you and, and Christine, you know,
0: do... I, I felt So I do a lot of the... Christine does a lot of the birthday posts too, but I do a lot of them. And I'd found him... I don't even know what made me think that he... Like, I don't know any sports people unless they're, you know... Michael Jordan and so (laughs) I don't really know there or they played hockey for the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1977 but otherwise I don't know sports people but something made me click on his name and see oh he's actually really famous and so I added him to our birthday roster and he always gets a ton of likes and attention
1: you know he's still doing sports casting now and yeah I mean there's a lot of people who remember you know, him on, on the Lakers. And so he thanked us. He did a quote tweet. He thanked us. But the, the cool part is he said, always ready to suit back up as a Klingon.
0: Yeah. He wants to do it again. I, which I love, I think that's great.
1: Yeah. So what's your bit of the week?
0: Mine is a great resource from um our friend Marina Kravchuk. Who's she's just, she's a huge Star Trek fan. She's on the cruise right now taking, by the way, the most amazing, pictures and people should follow her but she put together has an ongoing list a trek calendar which she started during the pandemic to track all the virtual stuff that was going on and now she has it this combined and she has every event that star trek celebrities from in front of the camera or behind the camera are going to be at she lists the different conventions and who's going to appear where to get like your autograph order you can put into virtual uh, virtual conventions, William Shatner doing Wrath of Khan appearances, Larry Nemec's tour. She's got everything in there. It's a very great comprehensive calendar with links to each of these events. So if you want to go to one place to see where a whole bunch of Star Trek things are happening, this is the place. So we'll put up a link to it. But A plus Marina. I mean, she's, we always see her, you know, we see her in Vegas. I saw her at the Picard screening. Uh, last month so she's a she's a big Star Trek fan that I think a lot of people are familiar with
1: she's great and uh, she's helped us a lot with pictures too and so that's a great resource and definitely check out her stuff from the cruise It look like she's having a lot of fun there
0: oh my god she makes it look so fun yeah she got great pictures of the um, exhibits there and just some of the events going on but I will put up a link to this calendar for everybody it's super handy Well, that's it for this week's episode of All Access Star Trek. Next week, we'll review Star Trek Picard episode 304. And in the meantime, have a great week.
1: Goodbye.